episode 37 of In the Shadow of the Evening Trees. My name is Jennifer Von Ebers. My name is David Von Ebers. Husband and wife duo. Tag team. Um, welcome back. Welcome back. I was trying to think of another clever name, but I couldn't come up with one. That, by the way, is the sound of my... That's my water bottle. Yeah, coming out of the holder on our desk. On our gamer desk. Yes. Our awesome gamer desk. The best desk desk we've had. (laughs) The easiest one to put together. Uh, It's very stable. And it has the side cup holder, which you can hear, which is below the surface of the desk. So you're very unlikely to spill onto the desk. Onto your keyboard. On your keyboard or your computer, everything. Very clever. And it has a little kind of like almost like a slot in the side. So if you have a cup, like a coffee mug or whatever with a handle on it, that will also fit in there. Yes. This, on the other hand, is just a giant water bottle filled (laughs) with booze. Yes. It's not. Saturday night, it's five o'clock somewhere. (laughs) It's five. It's past five o'clock. I didn't, that time it wasn't on purpose, actually. (laughs) That was just clumsiness. Uh, it is, it's Saturday night. You guys are all probably out having fun, and we're sitting in our basement <laughs> <laughs> talking into a microphone on the computer. <laughs> to who knows who. <laughs> to, yeah, but that's because we're old. We're old and boring. The thrill is gone. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, good night. It's a short episode. Brought it in, brought it in under two minutes. Right. <laughs> Go about your day. Yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh, no, that's not that is not at all what we're doing. We're actually going to record a show. Yes, we. Have, it's a good thing we didn't press uh, record yet because none of this will. Pay, yeah, we'll just we'll just du- um, dub it out. Yeah. Should I go get my guitar? Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I'll start singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our show. <laughs> that's our show. Good night, everybody. <laughs> I did start. Um, screwing around a little bit with the guitar again although i i I still haven't been very um good at it but i did start we you know we took guitar lessons some years back and you're uh, good at it though no no sadly i'm yes you are sadly i'm not but i did you sound like you're playing a song well i can play a couple of songs yeah but uh yeah i've been messing around with it um lately but i still don't I need to get all of my guitars restrung. This is like a conversation that we would have <laughs> sitting on the couch watching drinking the, coffee <laughs> or watching the Cub game, which we right. were just watching. Which they're um, doing well. So they're that's doing exciting. Well, I, I haven't actually. I just saw where they were in the standings a couple of days ago, but they've. Uh, I don't know exactly where they are now, and I won't look it up. But but they're actually making a run at the playoffs at this late stage of the season, which is pretty exciting. And they brought up a new uh, pitcher um, for his um, yeah, from, debut from and AAA. doing tremendous. Yeah, I guess, I mean, we, we came in in the third or fourth inning. I guess he got roughed up a little bit in the first inning, but they didn't pull him, this kid Jordan Wicks. And since then, he's out of the game now. Uh, by now, I think we're in the seventh or eighth inning. I don't know. Yes. Um, because we had to prepare for this business. Yes. But um, but he had he pitched through five innings and did really well. Um, a lot so, of um, strikes. And I was saying, you got to see this kid because he looks both like a 12-year-old and a 45-year-old at the same time. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. He, you know, he'll look at the one way at the camera, and he looks like he's not even like, a teenager. A <laughs> then he looks another way, and it's like he looks like a middle-aged man. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I wonder. I they probably said I don't know where he's from. 
Like, I don't know where he's originally from, yeah. but he was playing in Des Moines just like last week, and they called him up. 23 which, years old. Yeah, which is an interesting thing, too, because, um, um, you know, they are in, in making a run for the playoffs, so, and they bring a guy up. I mean, this was like, I want to say he was their number one pick or something like that. So, yes. But anyway, I thought that was an interesting choice at this crucial moment, but he certainly, as they say, acquitted himself. This is funny. He was born in 1999. Of course he was. Yeah, that's why he's a baby. Um, I was from Arkansas. Oh, yeah, actually, I heard them say that. Now okay, that you say yeah. that. Conway, Arkansas. So, yeah, Jordan Wicks. So, uh, new pitcher. Looks a little bit like um, uh, Charlie Sheen in, uh, in um, Major League. Yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of got a similar vibe although but like a more clean cut look yes but anyway. both the glasses and everything why are we talking about baseball i know this is not a sports show it's well we have talked we about have sports. talked about sports i like sports <laughs> i could do something in sports i could do something in sports that's a seinfeld reference for those of you who don't know yeah yes it is all right so we should follow up with what we talked about last week we should which is sad mm-hmm. it's sad so we had talked last week about um, a teacher who uh, there were complaints against teacher at a local school. I, I'm still not going to mention the teacher's name, but I will mention we, we were very vague about the circumstances because person the teacher had posted some things on social media that um, uh, caused a stir, and we'll get into that. We talked about it last time. A bunch of very conservative groups and individuals started a campaign to get this person fired um they are an art teacher i i believe i should be i should i should clarify i think that the teacher go, uses he and him as pronouns so i will i will do that if i'm mistaken i apologize um but he is an art teacher they had just hired him then somebody went back and scoured his social media and found some things from many years ago not not current things but things from like five years ago and they raised the big stink. And we were very vague about who was involved last week, in part because we thought there was a chance that the school board might do the right thing and, and not punish this person for exercising their First Amendment rights. But we were giving them way too much credit. Yeah. So the school district is the Homer Glen School District in Will County, Illinois. Um, and they held a, a, a special meeting. Imagine, imagine being that person. You're not only not only is this this big controversy over stuff that you've um, posted online, but the school board convenes a special meeting on a Sunday night yeah. to talk about your future. And of course, they stream their meetings live on Facebook and everything like that. So it's all. I mean. Their meetings are supposed to be public, but I mean, it, the whole thing is really, really public. And when it came to discussing the teacher, they then went into a closed session. And I understand the logic behind that because it's a personnel matter. Uh, that is one of the kinds of things under the Illinois Open Meeting at, Meetings Act that, that uh, a public body can do uh, in closed session. So I don't know that they were necessarily violating the law. But I mean, the whole thing has this kind of star chamber feel to it because they go into closed session, they hear a parent's quote unquote testimony complaining about um, this teacher. It's all off the record. And again, like I said, the Illinois Open Meetings Act allows them to do this. And in, in some ways, you know, you always want to balance 
privacy issues because the teacher has his own right to privacy with the public nature of what they're doing. They're acting as a government body considering whether or not to fire someone really based on social media posts that were are basically protected by the First Amendment. So, you know, it's very dicey. I understand why they had to do it in um, in a closed session by law. I think that they did have to. But the net effect is all this stuff is ha is happening in the shadows and the public doesn't, you know, get to know exactly what the rationale is. As far as I've been able to determine, there were three things, um, one of which seems to have sort of faded away, uh, or, or as far as I know, they didn't make a big deal out of it. One was a post from some time ago where they used the phrase F the police, um, although as we talked about last time, it wasn't the word, it wasn't F, but whatever. Um, I think the controversy over that may have faded a bit. The other thing was that the person talked about, and again, the, these particular posts are from five and six years ago. So 2017, 2018, the person talked about having um, uh, mental health issues, bipolar disorder, and talked about how that made them, you know, feel certain things, including, and they did say that it made them feel um, violent. Okay, but that was five and six years ago, and it's a disease, and it's a disease that's protected. You know, you, you cannot be discriminated against for having mental illness. The, the law doesn't allow that. So, and then the other thing was, and I think this may have been the biggest motivating factor, although it's it's not, again, it's not clear because all of this happened in the shadows. The other thing is that the person said that they were a Satanist, right? And we talked a bit about that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I got, I, so on that last topic about being a quote-unquote Satanist, uh, someone on Twitter actually um, posted a link to uh, a, a, a Satanist website, um, and I'll, I'll try to find it, and we can put the link in the show notes. But the upshot is, and this goes to something we were talking about before, is that, I mean, essentially, you know, the common sort of Satanist point of view is not that, hey, you know, the evil version of Satan is cool, but that Satan is a misunderstood figure and that, in fact, you know, he wasn't this force of evil and this, that. And the other thing in that, and, you know, their worldview is that they, you know, they reject things like, you know, sort of authoritarianism and, and um, you know, heavy-handed religion, narrow-mindedness and so forth. Instead, they believe in, you know, treating people, everybody with respect and all this. In other words, the values of this organization or, or this religious point of view are actually not at all what, um, you know, most sort of Christians would label them as. They're actually completely benign. So, you know, you don't have to believe that if you don't want to believe that. Sure. But but the, the fact is, number one, it is an actual religious belief. And number two, it has nothing to do with the, the sort of the Christian view of Satan as being an evil person and the force behind all the bad things in the world. They view it the opposite way. They don't think um, that that interpretation is correct. And they think the Bible has it wrong. Okay. You don't have to believe that, but it is a religious belief and it is protected by the first amendment. And it's not about, you know, just being edgy and, 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 and goth and, and wearing dark clothing and this, that, and the other thing there's actually a belief system that's grounded in pretty clear moral values 
but the bottom line is you can't discriminate against someone for being a teacher uh, for I'm sorry you can't discriminate against a teacher for their religious beliefs even if you have some preconceived idea of what those religious beliefs are did these people think that this person would just that bring that up in their classroom <laughs> I have no idea. That's a good question. But, I mean, it's a public school. They, yeah. They, they can't. That's the irony. Right. The Constitution protects their own personal right to free exercise of the religion, but also would prohibit them as a public school teacher to from discuss it to bring class. it into right. the classroom. Yeah. Right. I mean, there are there are circumstances where you can talk about religion in, in a public school classroom. But from an academic point of view, so for example, you know, I just uh, there's a, there's other probably better examples of this, but I remember being you know studying um, both English literature and American literature in high school. It's very difficult not to at least talk about the Bible in, in that in that context because the Bible influenced a lot of authors. You know, obviously people like Milton and, and, you know, Dante, but even, you know, even American writers, Nathaniel Hawthorne and all kinds of folks, William Faulkner, you know, um, he, Absalom Absalom is one of his most famous novels. It's literally based on a Bible story. Um, I mean, through the lens of, you know, kind of like post-Civil War South and things like that. So it's not literally based on the Bible story, but in any event. You know, you can talk about the Bible in the context of saying, here's a novel or a poem or a play that was inspired by this story in the Bible or that story in the Bible. You can talk about religion in the context of history and how, you know, people went to wars, fought wars over religion and things like that. You can talk about comparative religions and so forth. So the... the the public school classroom is not devoid of any conversation of religion ever under any circumstance. It What it is supposed to be devoid of is promoting religion. So the irony in this scenario is if, the, if they hire the teacher, the teacher goes into the classroom and the teacher starts promoting their religious views, that's the basis. That's when you should raise a flag. That, that's, <laughs> that's when you fire a teacher or you at least discipline them or tell them they can't do that. But you can't say, what you practice in your own home or in uh, in a you know religious community, you can't um, prevent them from doing that. But um, I also I still strongly believe that because this person sort of presents as a queer person um, or, or defies sort of gender norms and things like that, and there was a picture of them with a with you know a T-shirt with a rainbow flag on it and so forth. I do believe that there that is part of the motivation that that anti-queer bigotry was part of the motivation. Um, I will tell you that, you know, from the more I've looked into things going on in Homer Glen, there are a lot of very conservative people. There are a lot of, you know, people who are pretty um, open about expressing their different prejudices. So it's very troubling. It's troubling both from the perspective of, you know, what, what this public school did to this person, and it's also um, troubling in terms of what this community is like, you know, and I think people should know that. And I think, you know, if you're thinking about moving there, if you're thinking about opening a business there, if you're sending, think, your, kids there. sending your kids there, or you're thinking about patronizing businesses there, I think you should have a clear concept or a clear understanding of what that community is like. 
and my current impression is not very favorable. Well, and I was just looking that um, before you get hired as a teacher, that you have to have a criminal background check right. and things like that. So, I mean, all those due diligences were taken right. in order to hire this person, and there was no issue. So, um, right. it's exactly. just super unfair, and especially for somebody going back in your, let's say, for example, your Facebook feed from, and I'm just going to use this as an example. Let's just say this person's 25 years old. If they wrote something when they were 17 years old, right. I mean, that's just like, that's a different time period of your life. And you have no clue what you're going to be going into as far as a profession. And they didn't do anything wrong. So, I mean, it's just kind of like to that have that right. later on be the impetus of like... And, and what gets me too is that, you know, conservatives in particular, they loved the default position as always, let's blame it on mental illness. You know, anything that happens in society, someone goes and shoots up a school, someone, you know, there was an incident in Jacksonville, Florida today where a guy targeted black shoppers at a dollar store and killed three people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I heard one story, and I, I'm not 100% sure because, you know, the news stories were still coming in. The, the, the shooter's dead. I heard one story that said that he committed suicide, right? Well, that will give the right wing and the pro-gun folks a very convenient way to say it wasn't about race and it's not about guns it's about mental illness but all it is is this constant demonizing of people with mental illness as an excuse to avoid dealing with the realities of life to avoid dealing with racism to avoid avoid dealing with homophobia and transphobia to avoid dealing with the proliferation of guns uh, in this, in our society, they always want to blame it on mental illness. Everything is mental illness. They claim that you know, trans kids who want health care are really just mentally ill. Never mind the fact that, of course, those kids undergo an awful lot of counseling before they get any other type of mental medical uh, treatment. But they don't care. You know, they're not interested in facts. They're just interested in, in you know casting everything as a form of mental illness so they can discredit people right or they or they either discredit people like this teacher oh well they were they they expressed violent opinions when they were dealing with you know bipolar disorder as i said 6 or 7 years ago um uh no 5 or 6 years ago sorry whatever but um you know they they'll either use it to stigmatize a person um, or they'll use it as an excuse. They'll say, I guarantee you, people are going to say, well, this shooter, even though, of course, they found all sorts of racist rants on their, you know, uh, in their and their social media, uh, they're going to say, no, the Jacksonville shooter wasn't, it wasn't really racism, it was really mental illness. It wasn't the ease of access to guns, it was mental illness. Right. And, you know, listen, I, I, I've talked about it before, so I'll just say it. I lost a, a very close family member to suicide. I've known, uh, you know, I've had to deal with things. I've known many people who've had to deal with things. And I'm fed up. I'm sick and tired of hearing that as an excuse. I'm sick and tired of people hi hiding behind their own prejudices and using mental illness as an excuse, either to dodge responsibility for their prejudices or as a weapon against people from marginalized communities, you know, um, and that that's what's going on in the, in the world. And I also feel bad that because of all this uh, hoopla, you know, like what is the next 
job that this person is going to be able to yeah. get? Like, is that going to prevent this person from being right. hired in another school district? Well, uh, yeah, and you know, here's the thing too. And I, and I, okay, so my dad was on a, our local school board years ago. So I'm not necessarily anti-school boards. Correct. And your mother was also a teacher. My so. mother was also a teacher. But I've seen in recent years a lot of cowardice among school boards. And so now that Homer Glenn did this thing, which I still don't believe is legally justified at all, now that they did this thing, you'll see a lot of sanctimonious self-righteousness from other school boards saying, well, you know, we don't know about this person's past, but it would be negligent for us to hire them. Now all of the supposedly good people on school boards in the area are going to use this as an excuse because they're not necessarily, school boards are not necessarily comprised of courageous people. So I think that the problem is a lot of school board uh, members will succumb to the loudest voices yeah. in the audience right. and in order to make peace and everything that they're going to just bow down to what pe the majority wants. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, and it's the, the, the people behind, oh, I just wanted to mention one thing. Yeah. So, I, I sort of managed to connect with another person in in the local community. This Homer Glen, by the way, I mean, I don't know if we really said this, but it's in the Chicago area. It's in Will County, Illinois, which is... South uh, suburb? Yeah, it's like a little bit southwest of, of um, Cook County. And, you know, it's near Joliet, if you think of the Blues Brothers yes. <laughs> movie. Um, but anyway... Uh, um, so I, when, you know, kind of going back and forth on this on social media, uh, another person from the area um, started following me and I started following them. And what he, he, the person that, that I've been following just recently, um, is, is involved in different queer groups in the area and, and doesn't know the teacher involved, but basically has had communication with people who do know the teacher involved. And the teacher apparently has had some conversations with the lawyers or, or is thinking about it or whatever. So there may be legal action to come. I hope there is. I was thinking about that because it's like if it isn't fair to do that, is there any recourse for this person? Yeah. And obviously defamation of character right. or you know, right. anything like that. And again, I always have to say. I am a not giving legal advice, and, and I am not a lawyer. <laughs> and you know, I am not giving legal advice, and I'm not speaking on behalf of my employer. Yes, but yeah, the opinions are our own. <laughs> right, but right, like you say, defamation is a big thing. I mentioned the uh, tortious interference as a claim um, because they had uh, a, a reasonable expectation to continue employment until this came along, and part of the thing too is is that it does seem like people are actually intentionally lying or distorting the facts. I mean, the person posts on social media five or six years ago that they've had issues with bipolar disorder and, and it's given them, you know, it's it caused them to have some sort of violent emotions or feelings. And then all of a sudden it becomes five and six years later, all of a sudden we see people on social media literally saying, this person had a history of violence. No, 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 no. Those aren't even remotely the same no. thing. And you know, they're not the the teacher is not a public figure and so under Illinois defamation law um, you know a plaintiff doesn't have to prove that you were acted maliciously when you defame them they have to show that you at least were negligent 
in misstating the facts. But you don't have to show um, anything malicious in order, as a private person, in order to prevail in a defamation claim. So I mean, it strikes me at a minimum there's a lot of, you know, pretty negligent statements out there, or careless or reckless statements that people have made about this person. So I think there is potential liability, and you know, this gets to a bigger thing in my mind is that we've had all of these incidents, not just the teacher being fired. That's a that's sort of that's a horrible thing for that individual, and the way it's gotten distorted and blown out of proportion is horrible. Um, and there are a lot of people to blame, frankly. A lot of the organizations, these Moms for Liberty, and there's organizations in Illinois called Awake Americans and Awake Illinois that are you know, pushing all this anti-transgender nonsense and so forth. And I do think they have some potential legal liability to this individual for, because they're the ones who went out on social media and ginned up outrage and encouraged people to try to get this person fired. And then based on that encouragement, people wrote letters and complained and testified at this hearing and so on and so forth. So I think there's definitely some liability there. And I, but we not, it's not just this instance, incident rather. We also had the woman in California who, you know, a, a homophobic, person shot and killed because she had a pride flag in, in her store. And we know, th we know that's what his motive was. Mm -hmm. He confronted her and, and yelled at her about the pride flag. And when she tried to have a rational conversation with, with the guy, he shot her in cold blood. But you know, the director, Paul Fee, yeah. he knew this woman. Oh, wow. And he's, he's been writing about this, uh, about this cold-blooded murder. Of course, we found out that the guy had all kinds of crazy, horrible stuff in his social media. You know, Big surprise. You know, and we've got these bomb threats being called in to children's hospitals and to libraries and, you know, all these kinds of things. And I think that at some point, you know, folks got to sit down with lawyers and decide what their what power they have to push back through the legal system. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of Johnny Depp, but the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case should be a, a warning. And those were both public figures, so yes. the burden the burden uh, of proof in those cases was well, not the burden of proof, but what you had to prove was much more significant because public figures have less protection from defamation than private figures do, right? But when we've got private people and private institutions constantly being threatened like this um, and people telling lies, let me just tell you, um, and not, not just telling lies, but also instigating violence. You know, the Southern Poverty Law Center filed a lawsuit some years ago, and I'll, I'll put a link in our, in our show notes, Put a, they filed a lawsuit against an organization called the Aryan Nations and the leaders of the Aryan Nations because one of their followers committed a violent hate crime and attacked a, a couple. And they got a $6.1 million jury verdict against the organization and its leaders for instigating this follower to commit these crimes. And they basically bankrupted these people and took over the compound that they lived in and so on and so forth. There is precedent for going after people who instigate violence. Um, and I think, you know, the time has come and we have to start thinking about this. Same thing happened here in, in, in the Chicago area where there's this, just this vile kid named Matthew Hale who had a racist quote unquote church 
and believed that he was starting a quote-unquote racial holy war. And then one of his followers, one of his acolytes, a guy named uh, um, Smith, um, I was going to say Bernard Smith, Benjamin Smith. Oh, right. Benjamin Smith went on a shooting rampage. He went through Indiana and into Illinois, and he killed three or four different people and wounded others. He killed Ricky Birdsong, who was the head basketball coach at Northwestern. Um, but anyway, there was a, an organization in New York City, the Center for Constitutional Rights, filed a lawsuit on behalf of some of the victims uh, against Matthew Hale for instigating this violence. Now, I think that case ended up settling. Um, but the reality is there are legal claims that you can bring in situations like that. And I think we got to get serious about this and start doing it. We got to start suing some of these people who are causing you know, or, or inciting violence against, um, like I say, uh, bookstores, uh, libraries, schools, you know, children's hospitals and so forth. There have to be some consequences. Um, and I, I just, you know, I, I see at some point, I see it coming. I see some lawsuits coming. And, you know, I hope that's, I hope that's what happens. Well, and I can see in the scenario in Homer Glenn, one person getting this information and then calling their friend and say guess what i heard about this teacher and then that person goes to the next person and that's how that it transpires yeah. it's not the next person saying well where'd you get your information from or challenging yeah. it it's like accepting what this person says and the wildfire starts well and i think they accept it because they want to accept it yeah it confirms biases that they already have and it all began, you know, it's not a coincidence that it began with anti-queer organizations like Libs of TikTok, that vile, hateful, um, uh, you know, social media account. Um, it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence that it began with them and, like I say, Moms for Liberty and all this. You know, it's this. Look, there's this like mean girl attitude that's taken over our politics. Of these, these, you know, we have Marsha McCleary as the head of Moms for Liberty here in Illinois. This person, Shannon Ad, Adcock, or whatever the hell her name is, um, who runs um, uh, Awake Illinois and Awake Americans. Um, they're just, they're these kind of, frankly, spoiled brats who were never told no a day in their lives. And um, a lot of, ironically, a lot of this began not with. For example, trans and non-binary kids and queer people and stuff. A lot of it began during the pandemic, where they lost their minds over things like remote schooling and kids having to wear masks and stuff like that. And then when that went away, they had to have a new battle. Right. And so they decided to target queer kids, which is pretty freaking despicable for groups that always have the word "mom" in their names, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, I looked. I looked this up and. Um, you know, it's it's difficult to compare numbers very precisely, but so these organizations were all anti-mask and they they hated anti-vaccine. They, they well, right, well that too, but they didn't want their kids. To, they didn't want remote learning. They didn't want social distancing in the schools. They didn't want masks and so forth. Uh, and now, and now, as I say, they're all freaked out about you know trans and non-binary kids, and especially the idea that trans and non-binary kids get healthcare. So I looked this up, and it would appear, based on the information that I could find, that quite a few more kids, 18 and under, 
died of COVID somewhere in the neighborhood of 1800, according to the, the CDC. And, and I don't know exactly how they gather their, <clears throat> gathered their statistics, but more than 1800 kids in the age of 18 and under died of COVID. Um, and of course that doesn't take into consideration the number of kids who got very sick, but survived, who were hospitalized, but survived who brought COVID home and, and got a family member sick and, and so on and so forth. But just in terms of the number of kids who actually died. And then I also looked up, okay, so if they're equally concerned about kids getting healthcare, who have kids who are trans and non-binary, what are the number of those kids, what, what number of kids under the age of 18 actually got some type of surgery, right? because they all claim that there's this huge, huge, huge number of young people getting surgeries. Um, and, and it turns out that the number in the years uh, 2019 to 2021, a two year span, 776 in the entire United States with a population of 340 million people, 776 kids got some form of surgery. And, and by the way, you know, they're all, um, they were all like maybe 17 years old. Right. Or 18. Right. Not, not 10. <laughs> not 10, not, not 15, not whatever. So the number of children who died from COVID, and again, it's a little difficult to compare because you're comparing different time frames, but the number of children who died from COVID seems to be significantly higher than the number of kids who got at like age 17 or whatever, got surgeries for um, uh, relating to um, their gender identity. So what I take away from this is that, you know, these organizations, Moms for Liberty and the rest of them, they're okay with kids dying. That doesn't seem to bother them. It's okay for kids to die. But God, forgi God forbid a kid could, get a, could have surgery. Surgery to them is worse than death. And this is how addicted these folks are to these like really, really rigid concepts of sex and gender. You know, it's just, it's madness. It is. They think it's a worse thing that a child would have, you know, a 17 year old. They think it's worse for a 17 year old to have top surgery than it is for a nine, 10, 11 year old, a five year old to die of COVID. Crazy. And it's like that, that that's just mind boggling when you hear it, when you say it out yeah, loud. <laughs> I mean, that, that, and that's the thing. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, this is what's going on in the world. People are so anti-queer and so obsessed with everybody else's sex and gender and everybody else's genitals let's be honest i mean that that's 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 what they're freaking out about um even though kids under 18 don't have surgery on their genitals but whatever right. um but you know that everything every kind of sex sex attribute they're so obsessed with this stuff that um you know it it matters more to them than whether children live or die I, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. Me either. Um, that brings us to time. Um, but I would love to, if you guys have any comments or any opinions about this, leave a comment for us and we can get like a dialogue started just to see, um, you know, where you guys are with all this or if you have any questions or comments, um, we yeah. would love to have a comment. 
Uh, we would, we would, we would. We would welcome it. We promise to be polite. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for listening tonight and or whatever time you're listening to us and have, uh, we'll see you next time. Good night.